You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I have Dave Fink of Posty, which is an all-in-one direct mail platform. Dave has had a very long past in online marketing and online businesses. He has helped orchestrate a sale of Dollar Shave Club to Unilever for $1 billion. So that's a really big feat that we're going to talk about also with Dave. And he's also been involved with advertising for brands for uh, the likes of Jesse Simpson, Kate Bosworth, uh, the Olsen twins, just to name a few, you know, if you've never heard of these people. Uh, and obviously, I'm very excited to have Dave here because we're going to be talking a lot about direct mail um, and the AI revolution and Facebook ads and everything that has to do with online marketing. You know, as we get in uh, to, to to our discussion, can you tell us just a little bit about what is Posty and obviously, you know, what's been keeping you busy the last couple of years? Sure. So uh, like most of your listeners, I would assume I I grew up in the the digital era, um, started my career in 1999 and just was one of those lucky people to graduate and uh, end up in the Internet space and kind of has taken this two decade ride. And uh, most of the businesses that I've been involved with have either been direct to consumer brands that that relied on on you know, being able to compete with you know bigger competitors because we understood data and quantitative and performance marketing, um, you know, uh, kind of user economics and, and building those direct relationships with consumers. Um, and then the other half of the businesses were marketing technology platforms that always kind of enabled us to get value out of whatever the emerging digital channel was. So um you know, Posty is a little bit of a departure from that in some respects, but but in others, it's it's you know right square in the middle there. So the idea was, you know, we started Posty about seven years ago at a time when you know, Facebook became hard. You know, we had all ridden the you know, six seven years um, to fame and and the level of scale and yeah, their investment in in machine learning and 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 data science and and you know Facebook for a long time made us all look like really smart marketers and then it got really expensive right everybody you know wanted a piece of of that marketplace and 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 there was a, a time when when I think everyone listening to the show you know, showed up at, you know, to work every day and and had a nervous stomach it was like is Facebook's algorithm going to be friendly today or 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 punitive and depending on that you know made the difference on if today was a profitable day or or you know or not and so we started spending a bunch of time thinking about like, hey, like the expectation of, of scale that Facebook and Google in particular provided um, is something that we rely on, the ability to leverage our first party data and third party data and 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 you know, be you know, highly sophisticated with targeting, segmentation and optimization. That's really important. What are other channels that we could bring those those capabilities to? And in digital, there just really wasn't anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, if you think back to uh, 2016 or so, there was no TikTok. It was it was still Bite Dance and a fun Vine. You know, <laughs> sure. Yeah, Vine. I gosh, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Uh, Vine existed. I think it was kind of on its way out. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, Snap existed, but didn't have an ads platform at all. And so 
we we started looking offline and in an offline the one channel that that could be done you know executed um quantitatively was direct mail it's an addressable channel you're reaching individuals at specific households there's a wealth of third-party data that can be used for targeting optimization you can you know run your same you know personalization strategies and and um and you know creative testing and offer testing and so we got excited about it and we set out to to leverage that channel and really quickly learn there was no technology there was no software layer there it was literally getting on the phone with print brokers or you know um, paper supply managers it was trying to license data from you know anywhere you could find it it was huge investment in your own internal data science teams and so that that discouraging initial experience led us to this idea of like, hey, like maybe it's possible uh, to build the ad serving solution to make direct mail more usable, behave more similarly to the digital channels that we had all grown up with. So that's what, you know, that's the path to get here, but also what Posty is. Posty is uh, the first and, and most scalable programmatic ads platform specific to direct mail. Well, that's awesome. So it's funny in this digital age where everybody's, you know, uh, going onto Facebook and to YouTube, YouTube's a big one as well. And, you know, different, different properties, TikTok and so forth, you went kind of back, back in time and, and built out a channel that needs love. I mean, because when you get something in the mail, I mean, at least for me, right. I look at it, you know, most of the time you you at least look at it an ad you might glaze over on Facebook. But when you're get, getting something in your mailbox, most of the time it's getting seen by somebody. So that's that's a really, you know, interesting and you, unique angle that I, I'm surprised that nobody thought of earlier, right, to capitalize on. So that's really, uh, you know, that's really exciting. And I mean, is this something that... Um, in terms of conversion, so we can get into the kind of tactical, in terms of conversion, does it convert almost the same or does it convert better than, for example, traditional ad platforms like Facebook or YouTube or, you know, all the big ones? Yeah, it it, it performs, it, it converts better. And it has to because the cost of reaching an individual through mail is noticeably more expensive than a newsfeed ad or you know, a, a programmatic display ad. So in order for that channel to work competitively from a CPA perspective or a turn on ad spend perspective, the conversion rates need to be higher. And we see that all the time. You know, the, from a, a pure results perspective, again, that NKPI, whether it's a lifetime value goal or CPA goal or a, um, you know, a ROAS goal, the, the channel performs as, as strongly as, as any of your top um, digital channels. And that is, you know, it's a combination of, I mean, obviously that doesn't mean that every campaign that you execute is going to be a winner, but with the investment, with smart targeting, with, um, appropriate execution, with a little bit of, of again, effort, just like you would put into any channel, it's, it's a monsterly scalable and successful channel. 
Yeah. I mean, you need a good product, you need good advertising, and then obviously you need the right channels for the tech side to get things. Uh, but that's, that's with any platform, right? Even with Facebook, if you have an ad, it's not because you put it on Facebook, it'll actually convert. So, uh, you know, for me, the scary thing, and I think one thing that's interesting about what you're doing, there's a lot less like kind of rules, you know what I mean? Like in the sense of like, you can mail out anything you'd like and, you know, get it delivered within reason. Obviously you don't want to do anything illegal, but, um, on Facebook, you know, a lot of more marketers, especially, you know, when Facebook had their recent algorithm change a couple of years back uh, and, you know, with iOS uh, making changes on, on cookies and so forth, like there's businesses that got completely obliterated, like overnight. And some people and some merchants, what they do is they focus on one channel, like, oh, Facebook, oh, we're doing great at Facebook. Let's kill Facebook. And then Facebook makes an internal decision and then your business is gone. So this is a way of almost controlling your own data and your own marketing, right? Yeah. I mean, look, there's there's different approaches to building businesses and there's different levels of scale within businesses. And, and I've played on both sides. I've worked with, you know, and been a part of, you know, several hundred million dollar, um, you know, a year businesses on the brand side. We work with multi, multi, multi-billion dollar uh, corporations uh, with, as, at Posty. And I've been involved in building you know, direct-to-consumer businesses fr- from the ground up, where you got excited about your first ten dollars of revenue, and then you know when you hit that first million dollars, that was a huge day, and when you hit your first ten million, that was an enormous day. But the a lot of those kind of scrappy early day affiliate, you know, capitalize on on knowing a specific channel or not. We're we're a bit more opportunistic businesses, and those are live by the sword, die by the sword businesses, right? You, yeah. you know, if, if you were a search arbitrage business in the early two thousands, like, yeah, you know, at some point, you know, uh, you know, Panda is going to come out and you know, you know, the algorithm is going to wipe out what you're doing because their goal is to, you know, Google's goal is to, to you know, serve the 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 searcher, right? It's not to help affiliate marketers or performance marketers make money. They they need to make yeah they, their business runs at ad dollars but but their product is designed to try and provide benefit to the end user and their philosophy is if we do that well then advertisers will get value as well the you know and I played in that that space but that's a painful space that's literally businesses like like you said I've, I've, I've you know I've witnessed fortunately not been a part of but witnessed many friends who had kind of businesses built on on one media channel, one trick ponies that were, did very well, made a lot of money for a long time. And the business is gone. Zero, zero. like yeah. not lost 50% of the revenue, just gone. Doesn't work anymore. Plenty of businesses were built on Google. Plenty of businesses were built on email back in the day. Plenty of businesses were built on SMS. Plenty of businesses built on, on social Facebook in particular. But then, you know, you look at the other, you know, the 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 other end of the spectrum and and it's it's lasting brands and and not that everything's rosy and perfect on that side of the world yeah. that's hard too but when you make an investment in bringing a a uh, a valuable product to market telling us an authentic story holding true and you know to kind of to to sharing that value proposition and that mission behind you know the product or service or brand and and looking for all the different ways to engage your customer base, there's less risk. Doesn't mean that there aren't still big channels that you rely on. Could be TV, could be social, could be search, but your mission isn't to become a search-based business or a social-based business. Your goal is to build a brand. And when you do that, 
the the investment that you make across all different you know channels that your your prospect customers and 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 CRM is is engaging with makes you gives you you know sustaining power. Yeah. Um, it's also not about hey the tricks of making Facebook work. It's about how do we tell our story most authentically in this specific channel, and that's translatable to different channels. Yeah. And I mean, just to kind of build up on that, like, you know, the consumer has evolved from the early days of the internet, like the internet's really only been around 20 years, um, you know, where most people are using, it. I would say the last 10, where it's kind of become a part of everyday life. So, you know, obviously, if you're starting out, you want to build one channel maybe, but then as you keep growing, it's important not to be that one trick pony is now to look at TV or mail or other media platforms and so forth. Because I think the word of the decade is going to be omni-channel. People are going from real world to online world to to different platforms and using it different ways. So you almost have to be a little bit everywhere uh, with, you know, some focus, I guess, on your major, major channels. But um, just kind of talking a little bit more about, uh, you know, the d- direct mail and, and the response time and so forth. It, it, are people who are building ads online, like I'm talking about like, you know, maybe copywriters or marketers and so forth, are they able to translate it well, you know, on mail? Like, is is that a different skill set that you need? No, not at all. It's a common question that we get, especially for from brands that grew up in the digital era and maybe had never, um, you know, invested a single penny in, in the direct mail channel. Yeah. They, they kind of show up and, and they're oftentimes they're very nervous, like, uh, we don't know how to design for direct mail and, um, you know, and, and, and they think that there's this whole other set of characteristics. And the reality is, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a piece of media that's yeah. engaging with a customer or prospect. Yeah. And so when you think about best practices in email, in landing pages, in banners, I mean, there's certainly like tactics that, that can work, Right. I'm a believer in behavioral economics and flashing things in certain colors and words that elicit emotion, like all that stuff can work. But, but if, at the end of the day, if, you know, if you found, you know, a certain, um, you know, style, um, a certain you know, language that you're using certain set of images, lifestyle, lifestyle images, product images, et cetera, that are doing a thorough job, a proper job, accurately, authentically telling your story. And that's working on your landing pages and working in your email and working in your, your newsfeed ads, et cetera. You don't want to reinvent the wheel in any channel, certainly not direct mail. You want to take those, those learnings and carry them into the canvas that you're working on, whether it's a postcard or a letter, or, you know, uh, you know, multi-panel folded piece. It's, it's the, 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 the basic blocking and tackling, um, you know, should be carried right through as should, you know, all the, the good brand value that, that you've built. The idea is not like you have to do something different for direct mouth for the most part. There's certainly more performance marketing type businesses that have found a tactic that works and, and they stick with it. But, but most brands find success by being authentic to who they are and leveraging all the learnings that they have across all their digital channels and, and just, you know, um, yeah, uh, carrying that over into direct yeah. mail. So, I mean, essentially what you're saying is in summary, I feel like you create a brand strategy and then there could be some tweaks between the different things, but what you're doing with your direct mail, um, 
you're sending maybe people to to your online channel. So there has to be almost a little bit of uh, coordination there and some brand recognition. Is there certain products or certain demographics that do better with direct mail uh, versus, you know, online channels or or other things in your experience? Uh, the, the answer, well, the, the different answer to each of those questions. Um, so demographics, we've done a number of, of studies looking at conversion rate and various KPI achievement by, um, by age demographic. And yeah. there, I think there was this preconceived notion that, oh, direct mail is a channel that, um, is yeah, better tailored and suited to an aging demographic. It's an old school channel. We did not find that to be the case. We actually found millennials were the highest converting um, wow. segment. I was going to say I that was, too. I was going to say it feels like it's 65 plus that would be more fruitful for that market. Yeah. And I and I, I think that the only reason that like it, it's just kind of like a uh, a thought that that maybe makes sense and easy to to, to conclude from the, the idea of early adopters to technology are younger. And so like, well, if people are younger who gets technology quicker then obviously people who are responding to media that isn't technology driven are older, but that's just a false, oh, you know, false. conclusion. Like there's okay. no, um, and the data doesn't suggest that. The other piece to think about is like, you know, we're not in 1999 anymore. But when I started my career, you know, there, it was this idea of early adopters. But, you know, if you think about people that were even like, you know, sophisticated mid-career in their 40s back when you know the internet really started picking up steam that was you know caught the you know, 2000 you know we're almost 25 years down the road those people are in their mid-60s now or even early 70s <laughs> interesting so, to think about yeah <laughs> right i mean we're covering yeah. you know the, the the mobile phone revolution happened in the mid-2000s right we're 20 yeah. years past that so it's, it's, now we'll see. I always think it's 1990 it. when I think about it. Right. It. <laughs> but it's not. Right. Yeah. And and so if you think about that, like it makes perfect sense that that you know the the demographic that responds to different channels is has, you know. It's kind of like melted in, yeah. But yeah, is there is there certain products like would you say lower cost products, things that are under a hundred dollars, for example, work better? Is it more like beauty, health, beauty stuff? Like, is there one kind of, like, if somebody's listening, they're like, Hey, I have a beauty brand. Is this something that I should be looking at? Or I have a coaching business or whatever the case is. Like, is there one, you know, there, there's some people who have products that are sold for thousands of dollars. Like would that work on, like, in my impression, again, I don't know anything about this, but again, I would think more like sub $100 products would work better than big, big ticket items. No. So th there's one category of product that, that, that it may, that is tough to make work in DM and that's super inexpensive and it's, and super inexpensive without some built-in, you know, lifetime value. Um, whether it's recurring revenue. So, you know, if you just think about the cost of reaching an individual through direct mail, it's noticeably more expensive than a newsfeed ad that maybe a few pennies, you know. Um, and so when you think about the necessary conversion rate, you can kind of back into the math of like, well, what happens if I need to acquire a customer for $5? You would need a, a really high conversion rate and the reality is if you're a $5 business, like you're limited to really inexpensive, viral driven media channels to make work. Even if you have some reoccurring revenue, you're, you know, you're a subscription, you know, uh, 
uh, gum uh, <laughs> business and and your your average you know uh, uh, subscription you know monthly subscription charges is five dollars. You're making sixty dollars in lifetime revenue or annualized lifetime revenue. There's some margin in there. Your cost per acquisition might need to be fifteen dollars. That the, that those businesses are tough to make work. Yeah. Beyond that, you know, beauty, which is a range of average order value from forty to a couple hundred dollars for high end skincare, one of our top performing categories. Wow. Automotive, which are seventy thousand dollars transactions. One of our top performing categories. Oh, okay. Consumer lending, insurance, several thousand dollar high consideration conversion type categories, incredibly effective in DM. Housing market, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, average yeah. value, highly effective. So the the DM, um, because of the nature of the weightiness of the media, because of the targeting capabilities, because of the test and optimization capabilities, uh, it the, the 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 gamut of product categories ranges very broad that can be effective with it. It's just um, you gotta be careful if you're a very low end AOV type product. Okay. And again, a single digit. You yeah. Know. Well, I mean, also in health and beauty, I feel like sometimes you get a sample of something, and that really kind of you know you're always online trying to relay benefits of product, but if you give somebody like something a little something it's like if they try it that could could help a lot but you know the interesting thing for me um is this is a new world for me because i work in the online space <clears throat> and i always you know i i find sometimes going back to something that you know people are paying less attention to actually has the biggest impact so um kind of talking about the fact that it's an older industry meaning an older idea industry but now with new age technology like for example ai um and like you're talking a lot about segmenting and so forth like obviously when you're segmenting on a on a platform like facebook or or youtube it's like you know, you're checking off a couple of things and you're testing things, you're getting instant feedback a day or so later. Does this work? Does this not work? So is there on, on the technology front and like specifically AI, cause it's, you know, it's the hot topic of the year. Um, is there, are there things that will help you be successful in your direct mail campaign a lot faster now because of these new tools and, you know, obviously what are they, how are they working? Um, yeah. So look, like everybody else, I'm obsessed with AI. Uh, yeah. It's hard not to be. It's exciting. It's the first big kind of potential platform shift that we've seen since mobile. And it's just really cool, quite frankly. Yeah. I guess, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of like apprehension and, it, and it's a little bit scary out there too. But for the most part, I think it's just really interesting and in thinking about you know, we talked, I think that the world's wising up to how AI works a little bit and understanding its algorithmic base and mathematic and probability. And those are all things that especially marketers have, have been working with, you know, maybe not at that complicated level um, um, for, for a long time. The, I think, like, it's going to be fascinating. I, I saw some stat uh, just last week that said something like, 200 businesses raised 200 AI businesses raised over $5 million in the last like 14 days. It's, oh, wow. it, it's going to be an absolute land grab. And, and we lived through this twice already, right? Yes. 
some people, you know, have lived through it three times with the hardware revolution in the 80s and 90s. But, you know, for me, you know, it was Web 1.0 and hits to our website and every crazy idea known to humankind hit the market. Anybody selling any product, you know, was going to be, you know, you know, the days of toys.com and, and they're going to take over, you know, Toys R Us and then they imploded and then Toys R Us imploded and everybody needing a, mo- a, a wet, you know, a, 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 an internet strategy. And then you fast forward to the mobile revolution and it was, I mean, do you remember how hard it was to, to hire a mobile engineer? Oh yeah. It was, it was impossible, right? Yeah. Because everybody needed a mobile strategy and it was it a mobile first strategy or was it a mobile second strategy incremental and then and then after a while like that kind of ran its course and mobile just became an, a just like we talked about marketing channels at omnichannel like you can't be a facebook company you can't be an internet company you can't be a mobile company you're a company you're selling a product or a service you you the more channels and the more ways you have to engage with your customer the better now there's going to be this ai wave of you know, initially tools being built on, you know, open AI and on top of chat GPT. And that's kind of what we've seen so far. And those are like, yeah, those are the opportunistic type businesses, but there's going to be, they're definitely going to be AI first, you know, businesses that are created that are, that could be fundamental and foundational. And, and then every, there's going to be a time when everybody just need, yeah, it's going to be, what is your AI strategy? And then eventually there's AI as a part of it. Just how do you make your consumer, your, your buyer, your, your customer's life, easier, more efficient? How do you help them access more value from your product and service? And you do that through efficiency. And, and that's something that, yeah, that that's really what AI is all about. Um, yeah, there's certainly talk about replacing jobs and all that stuff. But I think in the end, it's, it's the, the to me, the anxiety is, is almost for my team, where it's the expectation that we're going to have for, for employees in the future are going to be that they're going to be able to do so much because they have all these tools to automate lots of parts of their job. And those people that are doing so efficiently and can move a mile a minute and be dialed in eight hours a day and really focused are going to be super valuable. And those people that are more about coffee breaks and taking their time and showing up. Not so much. (laughs) Probably not so much. Well, I mean, the interesting thing for me in terms of AI, and obviously I, you know, I was there in the late nineties as everything kind of changed. And, you know, with every big kind of technology shift, it's always been like, this is going to get rid of jobs. Nobody's going to have anything to do. And I'm like, well, all computers did and the internet did, uh, has done, has created more jobs, more opportunities, taken more people out of, you know, poverty and given, you know, create, you know, it, it always surprised me when people say, oh, it's so hard to start a company. I'm like, no, it was hard 30 years ago. You had to go places and talk to people and sign documents. You can get a, a corp in like a day that good to go. Let's go. You know, so you bank account, you go on an online site, like everything's so easy now. I, I think that, you know, we've almost become complacent. And I think that moving forward, AI, if if it mimics everything we've seen so far, it'll create more jobs. There'll be more opportunity, more things to do. So um, obviously, you know, kind of the lower end jobs, maybe some of the service jobs that can be done by a machine or factory work. But ultimately, you know, 100 years ago, people were all farmers and now nobody's not. But there's still jobs for everybody. So it just kind of shift. But is there anything that you're doing right now in Posty that is specifically using AI? Well, I, I would say our, our company foundation was built on data. So, okay. you know, we knew coming from a quant world that that our place in the world wasn't going to be just focusing on branding. 
And it, it was going to be, we were going to be held accountable for driving performance and measurability and helping brands and companies that leverage the Posty platform software technology to have better insights into their customer behavior, leverage that first party data um, as liquid gold, activate it in the direct mail space in addressable ways and constantly drive towards testing, optimization, iteration, and performance gains. And, and the big part of that is, is the targeting component. What we learned about you know, mathematical capabilities over the last decade is that it is possible to do some pretty extraordinary things, create much more pre um, predictiveness, eliminate a lot of the risk and waste in your, your media budget, learn and scale faster. So from day one, yeah, it's it's more ML than AI, but yeah, Post EV one was built on a big data engine and a machine learning predictive modeling stack that got smarter over time. And so things like, uh, while we're we haven't yet built in the AI onto the content side of things, there is AI that's helping automate decision making around how to cluster your thousands and thousands of features on top of millions of customer records in order to understand the the new unique micro segments and the the behaviors that differentiate between different groups of your CRM. It's how do you then overlay and recognize the third-party data sets that are most predictive for your business at this specific time. All that AI has just built into the platform and was before before so it became in, became in. Um, it's just it's and that's kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier. Where there certainly are going to be these yeah foundational businesses built on on AI, and then there are going to be businesses that are selling tennis rackets where they need to have an AI strategy with their chatbot and customer service or their yeah string tension selection <laughs> and and can help guide you to making decisions without you having to read through you know dozens and dozens of paragraphs of content oh well that's i mean that's amazing and um you know i think ai like you said it's just going to touch a whole bunch of different things not just marketing not just re we're focusing really on the marketing side the writing and so forth but there's other things machine learning for numbers and even in payments in the payment industry that i'm in uh, you know there's a million use cases for ai to predict you know, when a transaction is going to decline versus when it's going to get approved and what you can do with it and, and so forth. So I think it's just going to make us all more productive. I'm excited for one, that's for sure. Um, I just want to get a little bit into your experience because you've worked, obviously, you, you know, you've, you've mastered the direct mail, but you also um, have a good background in online channels and, you know, Facebook ads was one thing, but is there one platform that right now, just as a marketer and somebody who's interested in the industry that you're like, that's the platform, that's the one that's actually killing it. That's the one where you can get the biggest bang for your buck. And, you know, let's talk about a little bit more kind of direct to consumer industries, you know, selling products, selling, you know, uh, things that consumers buy. Not really. Okay. Uh, you know, I said a little tongue in cheek. Look, Facebook and Instagram still are beasts. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, more brands are still having success there. There's a much lower ceiling. So very few brands are in an era where they can go from zero to $150 million a year over three, four years, two years, even in some cases, 
just by having a Facebook first strategy like that. Like it, it, it just, it's, it's very hard. Um, with that being said, Facebook's a really great, efficient place to start learning um, how to present your brand to, you know, into the world. It's, you know, the tools are fast moving. It's easy to get results quicker. Search, you know, brand search in particular, like, look, the more intent that there is out there for the products and services you sell, the better off you are. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously PVCs are as high as ever, but you're talking about intent-based marketing. Like if, if you have a business that people are searching for, you, know, you got to maximize your content strategy, your organic listings, and then, and then, you know, you have to invest in brand recognition so that you're actually driving more um, efficient intent traffic into your branded search. We're seeing more and more brands allocating budget to TikTok. We'll see what happens with, you know, federal regulation and whatnot. If it's going to be around next right. year. <laughs> Look, depends who, you, you know, which politician you talk to. Uh, yeah. But there's, there's certainly a movement away from Facebook and onto TikTok. A lot of that's coming from influencer marketing, but TikTok certainly has had a monetization first strategy, which is different than, yeah, I think a, a very different than Snap. Snap had a user engagement product first approach, which I think is very noble. And, and then they moved into how do we monetize and make money? TikTok has a product that caught wind um, or caught, yeah, caught fire and, and immediately went to monetization. It's omni-channel. I mean, look, I'm a big, big believer in in don't just build business opportunistically because you think you can sell some products. Try and solve a problem. It doesn't have to be a major. You have to like feed the hungry and solve homelessness. But you know, it could be there's a a, a gap in the the beauty and skincare space that is underserved, and and you know, you've worked with a formulator to to create a a product you think services that and then you, and and then invest in your storytelling make it authentic build build your brand leverage you know the beauty of of all the earned media that's out there ranging from you know your own you know youtube strategy your own you know social video strategy your own editorial content strategy then get your you know your feet wet with you know your paid media strategy facebook's a great one obviously you're going to leverage search and then, you know, and then as you scale over time, you build your CRM strategies, email becomes more important, your own website, your own assets, you know, and certainly direct mail when when you're ready to scale and you've kind of gotten your blocking and tackling on your messaging and you understand the basics around your segments and you've done, you know, you've, you've, you've gotten some traction with the more expensive or sorry, with the less expensive media channels. Then, then all of a sudden it's time to put you know fuel on the fire and you 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 go aggressively in those channels. You add DM, you add addressable TV, you add linear TV, you add performance TV, you add yeah, you, know, you test radio. Like it you just it's everything. It, it really is. I'm a big believer in omnichannel. Well, the thing that see, the thing that I'm thinking, just in closing, if you can give us because as a as a marketer and you know, somebody who's coming in this industry, maybe making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month, you know, just kind of starting out and really building their business. It seems like a huge mountain to climb because now you're you're saying, well, now you have to be everywhere all the time. Uh, and it's it's a tough, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not I'm I'm paraphrasing very, very paraphrasing very kind of loosely what you said. Um, but 
you know, if just based on your experience, um, and, and just if, if we were to summarize, you know, somebody who's coming in with a direct to consumer business, regardless of what segment it is, um, what is their best path? You know what I mean? Like, yes, I, I agree that direct mail and television is probably something that has to happen after, but like, how do you now with all these different channels, how do you decide? And obviously you have a limited budget, right? Because having to do this on multiple platforms can get really, really expensive, especially if you're tanking on one of them. Right. So can you give us like a quick, you know, couple of tips on like how you would right now in this day and age, build a direct to consumer business that's, you know, generating, you know, $50,000 a month, a hundred thousand dollars a month, not, not an unlimited budget kind of business. Uh, it, it's a little bit tougher for me because I, I've been away from, from that space for a little bit. Um, yeah. it, it's, I've been involved in bigger businesses and now, yeah, a, a pretty sizable, um, technology platform business. So, you know, I can certainly, I, I know that, you know, that year by year, decade by decade, the efficient channels change a little bit. We haven't seen that rapidity of change as fast with the dominance of Facebook and Google holding, you know, court for so long. The, the idea is, look, you don't have to be superhuman to to start a business, but it's not for everybody. And the people that are successful have gray hair sooner and bags under their eyes. They're working hard. And I don't want to scare people off, but it's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. And if you're looking for lifestyle and you want to be at all, you know, your kids, you know, school plays and baseball games and, you know, shutting down at 4 p.m. on Friday and going and playing golf or whatever it is you do and not working over the weekend, like probably shouldn't be for you. And, and, but there's also a reason why those people that build businesses have potential to have disproportionate income because it, it is hard. It does technology it takes a lot. It's, you know, you have to be relentless. With that being said, look, time management's everything. So, you know, we just talked about AI for a while. You gotta leverage tools. You have to think about, um, you have to put effort into your planning. You have to schedule your week. You have to, Except that you're not going to be able to accomplish everything you want every day or every week or every month or every quarter. You build your plans and and you think about you know, you, you double down where things are working. And so even though I'm talking a big game, but I'm a channel that realizes you know when I talk about the Omni channel that we just went through, that's not reasonable for a forty thousand dollar a month business. Yeah. For like sure. that's not reasonable, probably for a four hundred thousand dollar a month business. Yeah, yeah, we're talking seven figures plus is where you start kind of going through a lot of channels and so forth. But I like the interesting thing that you said is that you know uh, it's not for everybody, and it shouldn't be for everybody, right? And it's not it's not bad if you're not meant to do this. It's just everybody has to kind of find you. their track. Yeah, you find yeah, your track. Your, your and there's people right. very happy to be uh, working somewhere and and you know providing a certain service. So that's you know, and and then as a business owner, I think the important lesson from what I got for you from you and, and, you know, as you're starting your business, as you're scaling is have a plan, create your brand first, you know, decide where you're going. What are you selling? How does this work? What are, you know, what are the basic lines of your brand? And then, you know, start testing uh, on smaller scales so that, you know, I, I, I like that. And I like that realistic approach. Cause I think a lot of people are just trying to sell a whole bunch of stuff to people that cannot, it cannot be used. Yeah, just I, I think that that's a, I love that point. I mean, the way I would I would sum that up is that when you're starting a business and you're thinking about the amount of effort and the potential risk, financial and stress and 
interpersonally that you're going to put into this 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 venture, you you shouldn't be going out and saying, "Can I sell this product or service?" You, you it, the question you're looking for answer an answer to is, "Do people want to buy this product or service?" Because there are great salespeople and they're great marketers and, and they can sell and market anything. But at some point, it's going to get really hard. It's not going to last. The lifetime value is not going to be there because you're not going to get a word of mouth. You're not going to have good retention. And then it's a really hard business. And if you think about like the venture market or anybody that's looking to make an investment, like what they're looking for is they want to invest in businesses and products and services where there's traction. Traction means that people are buying your product, not that you're selling the product. Hmm. So doesn't mean that it downplays marketing and salespersonship. Like you need that, like a hundred percent. But it's a heck of a lot better if you're selling something and finding ways to do it more efficiently. When there, there, you've already proven there's a market out there that wants to buy it. They just need to understand about it, learn about it, recognize it, be introduced to it. Well, yeah, I ba- basically the olden days of just like finding anything that sells on Amazon, throwing it on there, and really marketing it to get it to people's doors and 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 their in their hands is is gone. Right now people are looking for value, you know, buyers are aware of, you know, scams and so forth and there's so many that, you know, you have to have a real product. So a lot of people focus and spend so much money on marketing, but like have you looked at what you're selling? What are you selling? Is this something that people want? If people don't want it, yeah, your business is going to last 6 to 12 months and then you're you're gone. So, uh, you know, everybody listening, you know, that's a really key point is that if your product is crap, I mean, you can throw all the money in the world to it and advertise it. Maybe you'll make a little bit of money, but it's not sustainable. So it really depends on what your goals are. You know, if you just want to quick hit and disappear, there's people who do want that. You don't want to have a sustainable business. But in this case, you know, if you want to build a brand and obviously we're talking to entrepreneurs is, you know, the focus right now is on omni-channel, it's on product, it's on value. And then obviously you, your money is going to be well spent. Your resources, resources are going to be well spent um, on buying traffic for, for, you know, it's a pyramid. Your bottom has to be, foundation has to be good before you can move on to the higher levels. So uh, thank you so much, Dave. That was, that was super informative. And I know we're going to have all your contact information down here below, guys. If you're interested in direct mail, Dave's your guy. I mean, you have to, you know, reach out to him and and see how you can scale your business beyond the online channels. Uh, I really appreciate your time, Dave, and have yourself a great day. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation too. See, it is super fun. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 